ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله ونبيه وصفيه وحبيبه بلغ الرساله وادى الامانه ونصح للامه وجاهد في سبيل الله حتى اتاه اليقين وتركنا على المحجه البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها الا هالك فاللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاولين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاخرين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الملأ الاعلى الى يوم الدين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في كل وقت وحين وعلى اله الاطهار وعلى اصحابه الاخيار وعلى اتباعه الابرار الى يوم الدين يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذين تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وبعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وان خير الهدي هدي سيدنا ومولانا رسول الله ان شر الامور لمحدثاتها فكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار when the ulama in the early generation sat to contemplate the Quran and the Sunnah from a bird's eye view and to understand what are the meta issues that the religion of Islam teaches, what are the great issues, what are the great trends. So if you could if that to summarize everything, how would you summarize it? What would you glean from reading it? Not in the details, but when you abstract out what is all of this the quran and the sunnah what does it stand for and the answer was so clear it was so overwhelming that the extreme vast majority of the quran the extreme vast majority of the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu really only talk about one thing and that is refining human character refining human character as it relates to our belief and that is one of the distinguishing features of our faith is that our ethical and our moral paradigm informs our conduct but stems from some kind of belief in other words there's a reason why we do certain things why we say certain things and there's a reason why we don't do certain things and we don't say certain things meaning that we believe there's a greater issue at play it's not just about how things play out on this plane but we believe in the hereafter for example we believe in allah we believe in the prophet sallallahu we believe in revelation and because we have that perspective i mean sometimes we don't say it like that because it's just an assumption but when you think about it that's always in the background for for example allah ta'ala says 
Indeed, we know this verse. Indeed, in the Messenger of Allah is a great example. But Allah qualifies it. But the person that wants Allah is cognizant of the hereafter. And they mention Allah Ta'ala often. So that's always in the background, our theology, our belief system. But the vast majority of the verses of the Qur'an, over 97% of the Qur'an, the vast majority of the hadith of the Prophet over 97% of the hadith, all go to that one subject and that one subject alone to refine human character. And in this month of Rabi' al-Awwal, in this month in which we celebrate and remember the Prophet this is one of the things that we need to really reflect on. Because Allah Ta'ala also defines the Prophet accordingly and He says That you are upon You are on top of You are ahead of You are upon a vast character Meaning that He is the definition of our conduct He is the definition of our character We all know that, we say it But let us today Think about it, but maybe say it in a different way, state it in a different way, so that we remember why we say that, why it's so important. Sometimes the first, the first rules, you know, sometimes the first things, we get so used to just assuming them or saying them, we forget to, pa- to, to stop for a moment, to pause and reflect on why that's important. So even though we know this, let us remember and remind ourselves why this is important. When the companions asked Sayyidah Aisha, uh, the Mu'min Mu'min said Aisha about the character of the Prophet we know this famous hadith she said that his character was the Quran and this is the theme of what <coughs> I want to share with us today that this is a really significant statement the Quran is the eternal and uncreated speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed over these 23 year, 23 year period and, and the Qur'an is a, is a miracle in itself, you know. The verses are like these bolts of lightning that come out to you from the page and speak to you. And it's so incredible, it's so overwhelming the experience of reading and thinking about the Qur'an that you might find multiple things being discussed in one verse. So the Qur'an is not like when we write, you know, we write maybe chronologically or we write based on subject or something like that. But Allah Ta'ala likens the Qur'an to the stars in the evening. When you look out at the stars, if you don't know anything about the constellations, or, or, uh, or if you're not used to seeing the stars even because of all of the artificial light, but when you go somewhere where there's no artificial light, it's just natural, when, when Aisha time comes in, you feel like somebody plugged in the sky. You've never seen that before. And you look out, and it's just overwhelming. But if you study those stars, you will understand that there are constellations, there are patterns, and the stars can guide you. Different parts of the year, different parts of the, of the earth, the hemisphere, they have different configurations. So if you know that, you understand that there is rhyme and reason. The Qur'an is the same way, which is why when the Orientalists first came to translate the Qur'an, you know, the Qur'an, there's a whole story of how the Qur'an was translated, going back several hundred years. I know I won't bore you with the details of that. But they were confused. Because they didn't understand this. They, they thought that they were going to translate something that was, you know, in the beginning. Like the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The beginning is the beginning. So they assumed that the Qur'an would start that way. It would talk about the beginning. But the beginning of the Qur'an are just letters. Alif, lam, mim. So you can imagine how confused they are. 
But if you understand the Qur'an, you would understand that there are patterns, there are rules, and you derive those meanings, etc. Why am I saying, why is this important? And what does this have to do with the hadith of Sayyidina Aisha Is because when the Qur'an speaks to you, whether you're reading a verse or you're contemplating all of it, or you have a collection of verses, or there's a surah or something like that, you have to make it make sense for yourself at that moment. And the reason that Sayyidina Aisha said that he was, his character was the Qur'an, sallallahu alayhi wa is that he then becomes the manifestation of what all of those stars mean, what all of that meaning means. In other words, what is the Qur'an supposed to look like if you took it and manifested in life conduct? That was the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Which is why we need him to understand the Qur'an. You know, some people, they don't, under, they don't make that link. They, some people, for some reason, they think that the, the sunnah or the hadith is a mess. Uh, but we, we have the Qur'an, all we need is the Qur'an. And they don't want to talk about the sunnah or the hadith, but how can you do that? You won't, you won't be able to make sense of that. You won't find the constellations. You won't find your direction unless you understand the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah tells us that in the Qur'an, it's not me saying this, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنٌ Verily, indeed, there is a beautiful, hasan, perfect, excellent example in the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So let's say you're reading the Qur'an and you come across a verse, you know, that, that is not one of those feel-good verses. You know, it's a verse that talks about maybe the punishment of the hereafter, the punishment of the hellfire, or a, a verse that people misuse to, to mean different things, a verse about qitan. It doesn't even say jihad, it says qitad, straight out, you know, about war, about fighting. And people get stuck and they get tripped up on these things. What does that mean? How can the verse say that? I don't understand. And they can have a crisis of faith simply from reading a verse and not understanding what it means. But if you understand that the Prophet ﷺ was a manifestation of all of that, you would understand how you can place these verses, how you can place these concepts in proper form and proper order. Because he was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the definition of how we understand the Qur'an. That the meanings of the Qur'an were all solidified, were all manifest in the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's what Sayyidina Aisha is saying. And were it not that he was a prophet and infallible, then he would not be able to receive this message and be that example for us. So he's like the measuring stick. So when you read about the descriptions of the Prophet all of the descriptions are, you know, it's, it's, you can't even fathom that a human being could be like that. That he was beautiful, physically, and handsome. That if somebody saw him once, they were awestruck by him. And if somebody spent some time with him, they would fall in love with him. Meaning everybody, even his enemies, and we've said that, even his enemies loved him. Even his uncle, even Abu Lahab, loved him. He didn't want to believe in the message because he didn't want to give up his way of life and the status quo. But he knew that this was the real deal, sallallahu alayhi wa The way he smelled was, was beautiful. The way he dealt with people was to be gent gentle and soft. Allah Ta'ala even says in the Quran, If you were rough and tough with people, they would have left you. And none of his words, none of the words that we use to describe him, وسلم, or none of his names are names that he was like tough, or, or, or the mighty, or the conqueror, or the great. You know the way that we talk about people 
Alexander the Great, Frederick the Great, uh, Suleiman the Magnificent, whatever, whoever, it doesn't matter where it's from. We use those adjectives. We don't have those kind of adjectives for the Prophet We say, As-Sadiq al-Ameen, the honest and the trustworthy. Rahim with the with the believers gentle and merciful. Al Hadi, you know the, the, the one that guides, but also the one that is calm. Al Muzammil, Al Mudathir, Al Mahi, Al Hashim, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al Mustafa, the, the chosen one, Taha, Yasin, Muhammad, the praiseworthy, Ahmed, the one that is praised, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So think about all of those names. Yeah, on, Sunday we mentioned that the ulama that counted, you know, the ulama they like to count things. They, so I'll just rely on them. I'll take their word for it. There are over 900 names for the Prophet Because in the Arabic language, when the Arabs love something or fear something, they increase the names for that thing. So the fact that the Prophet has all of these names is a sign of how much the community has loved him and praised him. Think about that. It would make sense, right? He was a conqueror. Right? He conquered Mecca. He conquered all of Arabia. It would make sense. You could, you could kind of say to yourself, yeah, you know, he was a conqueror. So maybe we'll just leave like five names for that. But none of his names are like that, sallallahu alayhi wa They all have to do with his mercy and his light and his beauty and his smile and the functions that he has in this world and the functions that he has in the hereafter, sallallahu alayhi wa Why is that significant? Why is that important? Because when Sayyidina Aisha said that his character was the Qur'an, what is character? Character is what you are all the time ongoing. It's not, it's not like a checklist. You know, people, they have these bucket lists. You know, I want to go climb this mountain or I want to go swim in this. That's fine. I'm not criticizing that. But you just, you do it and you check it. Right? You, you do it once and it's over. So when I say the Prophet ﷺ has character and his character was the Qur'an, this means it's not a checklist. This is, mean this is how he was all the time. Think about this. Think about all of the hadith that we have. At least half of these hadith come from the Medina period, which was 10 years, in which the month that the Prophet arrived in Medina, from that month of Rabi' al-Awwal all the way until the conquest of Mecca, there was one military agitation after another. For 10 years, they were fighting to protect their homeland. But yet, we have all of these hadith about being merciful and about being peaceful and about being good with your neighbor and about being good with your family. All of these stories about the Prophet being with his friends, having dinner with his friends, hanging out with the companions, visiting the sick, sallallahu alayhi wa Imagine if you lived for a decade under the threat of military annihilation, meaning literally life and death. And imagine for a decade, let's say this is our, our community. Let, imagine if maybe 5 to 7% of us in this room, we know for certain are hypocrites. Meaning that 5 to 7%, not that any of you are, I'm just saying, just to give you a, a sense. Imagine if 5 to 7% of the people here right now, we, knew, we don't know who they are by name, but we know for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that they are working with the people out there that are trying to burn this house down, that are trying to kill us, to take our children, etc., etc. How would your character be? Would you be loving and smiling and happy and radiant and your hand is softer than silk and your sweat smells more beautiful than the smell of musk, etc.? All of the descriptions we use for the Prophet No, you'd be freaking out. You'd lose your mind. After that decade, we would all have to get some kind of treatment because we couldn't live with that kind of stress. It's like a type of 
trauma to be able to live like that all the time. But he was not like that, He was the calm in the storm. He was the port in the storm. He was the rock around which the companions anchored their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, and ultimately that's who taught them how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So without the Prophet ﷺ, without these examples, when we read these verses, whether they be troubling, quote-unquote, troubling verses, or we read the hadith, for example, that might be, quote-unquote, troubling hadith, if we didn't have him as an example, ﷺ, we would get lost. And one of the things, because unfortunately I spent a lot of my weeks looking at this, uh, the people that misunderstand these things, and the one thing, the one thread that, that I can tell you runs through all of those people is they do not take, believe it or not, the example of the Prophet ﷺ as their example for Islam. Either it's clear that they don't respect the Prophet ﷺ for how they talk about him, or the, the, the noticeable absence of the discussion of the Prophet ﷺ in their literature, or their writings, or their speeches, or they never make reference to the Sunnah. They do not abstract these large concepts the way we do, and therefore they are misguided and they are trying to misguide you. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. But we know that the Prophet ﷺ was not like that. We know that he would not curse somebody. The Prophet ﷺ is described as مَكَانَ فَاحِشًا mutafahishan. He was not lewd in his language, he was not lewd in his conduct. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. All of the people that try to kill him. Imagine somebody tries to kill you five, six, seven, ten times in your life. How would you deal with that person? Imagine what it would have been like in that situation when Wahshay, who killed the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, came to him with tawbah and came to him with Islam. What would you do if you saw him walking, not knowing that he was going to come and make his tawbah? Knowing that this man killed your uncle, one of the great fighters of Quraysh, one of the the great uh, of the early Muslims, السلام, imagine what that would have been like. Or even more, you know, he was for hire. Even more than that, the wife of Abu Sufyan who ate the liver of Hamza and tried to defile his body, السلام, imagine her coming to make tawbah and to declare her Islam. But the Prophet doesn't accept all these people. Now that's character. Now that's somebody that will leave a mark on you forever. To see somebody who has the humanity to do that. And not just will leave a mark on you, but you're going to say to yourself, Hey, I want to be like that. How can I be like that? How can I be calm like that? How can I be full of love like that? Rather than full of hatred and vile feelings and animosity and all of this like acidic stuff that just eats your insides away. How can I rise above that and be like him? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's why Sayyidah Aisha said, كَانَ خُلُقُهُ Quran," Is that he took all of these meanings and he embodied it. And this month we should rededicate ourselves to that. That we need to be like him, sallallahu alayhi wa In that way. The sunnah, I'm not talking about the sunnah as you have to wear a short thobe and you know, have a big miswek stuck in your mouth. And I'm not, and I'm not criticizing because I use the miswek. If I use it at home, I use the Maliki opinion. I take the miswek when I make my wudu because people, you know, it's not meant to be an oral fixture. Some people, they think it's an oral fixture. I'm not criticizing these things, but that's not what I mean when I'm talking about the sunnah. That needs to be redefined. I'm talking about what's inside here. How you deal with people. And the ulama that looked at all of these patterns I said in the beginning, it is from them that we have this statement, ad al-mu'amala. When they looked at all of that stuff, they said, you know, deen, this deen, this religion, it's all about interactions. 
So much so that people think that that's a hadith. It's not a hadith, a deen al-mu'amala, but it's a true statement. That everything that the Prophet came to teach us was how to behave. The things that we were supposed to learn were in kindergarten. How to behave, how to clean up after yourself, how not to make a mess, how not to, you know, how to share. Now extrapolate in adult life what, how people that don't share and people that hurt and people that amass, and people that know that the, their neighbor is hungry or in need, how they deal with it. I mean, we laugh when we use these examples, but look at our adult life. Look at the adults that are in charge of this country. Look how they're masquerading around. They didn't learn these lessons about humility, about honesty, about caring for people. All of you are shepherds and all of you are responsible for your flock. Begin with yourself and then your neighbor. I mean, aren't these things that we were supposed to learn in grade school, in, in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, preschool even? And that's why we need to remind ourselves of this, because we're all children when it comes to the Prophet ﷺ. When the Prophet ﷺ sent his messages out to the uh, rulers of the, the world, one of them was Heraclius. The, the, uh, 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 the Byzantine Emperor, the Roman Emperor Heraclius. And Heraclius was a knowledgeable person. He wasn't one of those rulers that was a dum-dum. He knew things. He understood, he read, he was educated. He was a theologian. So he asked the ambassador, he asked him questions about the Prophet What does he look like? Where does he come from? Uh, do the people that follow him increase? Do they decrease? He asked him all of these questions. And at the end, he said, he's a true prophet, and if I was there at him, I would wash his feet. And that his message will come and conquer the land under which I'm standing. Because at that time when he received them, he was in a sham. He was in the Levant. And at that time, we call him the Byzantine Emperor, because that's the Eastern Roman Empire, which capital was Constantinople. And we know that that fell to Islam, and it's now Istanbul. <coughs> So he said, why did he say that? Because of the character of the Prophet If you want to improve your life, you have to improve your character. The Prophet said, I was only sent to refine human character. And the Prophet honored human character even from the disbelievers. Even when he found somebody that was of the jahiliyyah. But if they, were good, if they had good character, he would praise them. Because that's how important good character is. So, despite what we think of the world around us, despite what we see in the world around us, let that never, never allow us to sell out our moral and ethical system. The Muslim will never lie, will never cheat, will never steal, will never harm, neither themselves nor their family. The Muslim is always to be merciful to themselves, to their children, to their neighbors, to their families, to the person that cuts you off, to the person that tries to steal your job. That's not a sign of weakness. That is a sign of greatness, because that's how the greatest of creation was, sallallahu alayhi wa And I'll end with this. this. This subject is so important that this is the first hadith that we learn when we study the sharia. It's the hadith of mercy. Ar-Rahimun, yarhamuhum ar-Rahman, tabaraka wa ta'ala, yarhamu man fil ard, yarhamkum man fil sama. The merciful one shows mercy on, the merciful ones receive mercy from the merciful one. Show mercy to all those on earth and you shall be shown mercy from the ones in the heaven. And the reason this is the first hadith we learn 
is that the whole purpose of studying the Quran and Sunnah is to embody this mercy. Who is the embodiment of this mercy? Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Aqul muqawli hadha wa astaghfirullahu alayhi wa lakum. Fastaghfiruhu inna wa huwa al-baqoon rahim. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. Some of the announcements inshallah before the dua. We are praying today inshallah for the loss of Sayyid Kawsar Nadim who is the in-law of ICCP member Sugail Razakh. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept him into his mercy inshallah and forgive him. Also we are remembering uh, the death anniversaries of brother Nur al-Anwar Chaudhry, who is the father of brother Sultan, and also the late Muhammad Haq, who is an in-law of also brother Sultan. We also are remembering the death anniversary of our auntie, our beloved auntie, Ruhsan Rahman, who is the wife of Dr. Aqib. So for those who have passed recently, and for those who have passed, and we remember them, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, on this blessed day of Friday, in this blessed month of Rabi al-Awwal, may Allah ta'ala Bring them light into their graves. May their sins be forgiven. May their families find ease and compassion and love, inshallah, in their passing. We are also, we have um, Brother Sheer Muhammad Chaudhry, who passed away in Pakistan. The uncle did just send me the, the note, so we ask Allah Ta'ala to have rahmah on him, inshallah, and may he make the passing easy for the family. And after the prayer, maybe we should recite Surah Al-Fatiha, inshallah, for those who have passed. Uh, inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive them and lift them and, and help their families, inshallah. Amen. As for the normal announcements, uh, tonight the halaqah is at 7.30. Uh, this new series is an introduction to Islamic spirituality, so it's a little bit more practical. How Some of the things that we talked about today, for example, how do you take that and actually implement it? You know, what does it mean to, to follow the Qur'an and the Sunnah? So it's about Islamic spirituality. Uh, that's 7.30, and then Talib's class Sunday, the Qur'an Halaqah is at 6.15, uh, Sunday morning, inshallah. Uh, we will be having an ICCP Thanksgiving potluck next Thursday, inshallah. Thursday, not Friday? Thursday? Okay, next Thursday, inshallah, ICCP uh, Thanksgiving, uh, which obviously is our endorsement of Thanksgiving, which means that we don't think that it's a bid'ah. So, inshallah, <laughs> for those that need need some turkey or some family or companionship, we'll be, I'm just kidding, we'll be here next Thursday, inshallah. And also, there's an announcement that went out in the newsletter that we are looking for people that would like to perform Hajj with ICCP in uh, this coming summer in 2020. So, we're inviting names for those who wish to join to please contact Roman or Brother Mohsin, inshallah. I know it, it sounds like it's early, but, you know, Hajj, the Hajj stuff goes up pretty fast. So if you want to perform Hajj with the community, inshallah, let us know and um, more announcements will follow, inshallah. Also, all are invited for lunch. All are invited for, for lunch, inshallah, afterwards. You know, it wouldn't be a Muslim event if there was no lunch involved. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us in this month of Rabi al-Awwal. May we benefit from the example of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May we improve our humanity and our character. May we live up to the character and the example of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We ask Allah Ta'ala to have mercy on all of those who have passed in our community and beyond. We ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive 
the deceased, to have mercy on the living. We ask Allah Ta'ala to protect our children, Amen. to prevent them from falling into harm. We ask Allah Ta'ala to protect our schools and our businesses and our center. We specifically today ask Allah Ta'ala to alleviate the suffering of all of our brothers and sisters who are suffering around the world, the Palestinians, the Kashmiris, the Rohingya, the Uyghurs, those that we know about and those that we do not know about. We ask Allah Ta'ala to lift the oppressed, to take them out of poverty. We ask Allah Ta'ala to alleviate the suffering of the refugees. May they find home. May Allah Ta'ala guide us to help them, inshaAllah. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to forgive us for our shortcomings and for our sins. We ask Allah Ta'ala to lift us as a community and to beautify our hearts with the light of this faith. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to help us exalt the, mes the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Always we ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people of the Qur'an and people of the Sunnah. Fallahumma hdina fi man hadayt, wa'afina fi man afayt, Allahumma tawallana fi man tawallayt, wubarik lana fi ma a'atayt, waqina wasrif anna sharra ma qadayt. Allahumma anqinna min da'irati sakhafik ila da'irati ridaq, waftah alayna futuh al-arifina bih. واحشرنا تحت لواء نبيك صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم القيامة اللهم اسقنا من يده الشريفة شربة ماء لا نظمأ بعدها أبدا ثم أدخلنا الجنة بغير حساب ولا سابقة عقاب ولا عتاب ومتعنا بالنظر إلى وجهك الكريم في جنات الخلد يا رحيم فاللهم ارحم حينا وميتنا وحاضرنا وغائبنا وارفع عيد الأمم عنا وأقمنا بالحق وأقم الحق بنا وآخر دعوان أن الحمد لله رب العالمين وصل اللهم على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وأقم الصلاة إن صلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا مكتوبا الله أكبر الله